This is the Scottish Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Kim McAllister. Hello. Richard Dixon secretly wants to be an astronaut. He's already managed to qualify as a veterinary surgeon, get a PhD in endocrinology, and revolutionise the whole UK vet industry. So why not? The chairman of Vets Now started the business in 2001 by offering local vets in Glasgow an out-of-hours service. He now has a £31 million turnover and 53 clinics across the UK. The impact's been much more than we ever saw coming, if I'm absolutely honest. When I started the business, I didn't really have a proper understanding as to where it might go. And it's only by going through the journey that we've seen you know, more opportunities and we've started actually to understand the profession and understand our own business better. So I'd love to sit and say that we had a master plan on day one and it's just been progressively rolling out. But actually, that's not what my experience has been. Um, a lot of it has been trial and error, getting some things right, some things wrong, trying to improve the, the model and the business as we've gone through and um, being willing to adapt and change. And from that approach has come uh, has come a scale that you know we didn't envisage at the outset. You were studying your PhD when you first sort of came up with the idea and the, the first form of the business, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Uh, in common with many PhD students, I was, I was a bit skint, and that in itself is a great motivator, and uh, decided to, um, to contact many of the practices who were at that time doing their own out-of-hours. The veterinary profession is quite a, it's quite a traditional profession and historically the vets have worked during the day and then also had to be on duty at night to care for any animals that became sick or unwell at that time. And vets are hugely committed to providing great care for animals, that's why we become vets, but the reality of trying to do that 24-7 was just becoming impossible. And at the same time, client expectations for the quality of care for their pets was going up and up, um, and rightly so. And that was causing a real, a real challenge for both pet owners and the pets themselves and the profession. And the approach that we took was we can try and provide the best quality of care out of hours in an emergency when you really, really want it and you really need that care, but also allow the daytime vets to give a great service in their practice during the day, but then have their nights and their weekends off so they can recharge and come back to work fresh and ready to go again. So it really was a bit of a win-win. Pets were getting better care, which fundamentally is why we're all here. And the profession was getting a better quality of life and the pet owners were getting the right care for their pets at the time that they needed it most. I imagine the initial reaction from the vets that you approached was wonderful. Why has nobody done this before? Absolutely. And it's a great point. I couldn't count the number of times that since we launched the business, people have said, what a great idea, but it's such a simple idea. And I think that is the case. And entrepreneurship in many ways has been about, for me, it's just seeing things from a slightly different angle. And we were very fortunate to identify an opportunity at the right time in the marketplace and just approach a very old historic problem of trying to provide 24-7 care from a, a different angle and say, well, actually, we don't need to compete with the normal vets. We can, we can complement what they do. We can provide that high quality of service out of hours over the weekend or, or in the evenings and at night but allow the, the vets to, to focus on their daytime work. So, no, it's worked really well. That's great. And in terms of setting up this business, obviously you had the buy-in from the vets themselves, but I assume there were challenges from a medical point of view and from a clinical point of view. How did you go about securing the premises and, and making sure that everything was insured and all the other things that I'm sure you had to think about? The challenges of, of anyone's setting up and growing a business are, are enormous. And I came to this from a background of no business experience, uh, no formal training in business. 
Um, I was a vet, I'm a vet, and a lot of, I guess, what we have learned over the course of the last 10, 15 years has been that the formal training is certainly hugely valuable and has an enormous amount to add, but there's a lot of business which is about a bit of common sense and a bit of just good old-fashioned hard work, trying to take people with you, trying to understand where other people are coming from and, and trying to address a need. So the problems we had of premises, for example, were that if we wanted to scale this business up, we didn't have the capital to go and invest in veterinary practices all around the UK. However, taking a a more entrepreneurial approach to that problem and saying, well, there are premises all around the country which are hugely well equipped. They're, They're great veterinary facilities, but they're sitting pretty much unused at night. So why don't we make use of the existing capital infrastructure and we approached a number of practices and said, look, we'd like to lease your facilities out of ours. And that gave us access to good quality premises in the right areas relatively inexpensively. And it also provided those practice owners with a new revenue stream from their existing facility. So we were just trying to take a, a different approach and, and make more use of what was already in place across the country. The fact that we've approached the business from that angle has allowed us to scale up much more quickly than we could ever have done if we had tried to build our own physical infrastructure from day one. So we're not exactly Boeing or Facebook, but the business has grown reasonably quickly and that's been, uh, the, the lack of capital hindrance has definitely been an important aspect to achieving that. Did you have any investment? Did you have any external investors or was it your own money? No, we didn't have any external money. I, uh, When I was a student in Glasgow, I had a flat, and this was in the days when you bought a property and the prices went up. <laughs> I decided, when I decided to set the business up, I sold the flat and took the, the proceeds from it, and I guess took an approach of, you know, I'm going to put that money behind the business. If it works, then fantastic, and if it doesn't work, then I guess I'll just have to go and get a job. And, uh, and decided to go for it. And, and very fortunately, thanks to the hard work of a lot of people, the business has been reasonably successful so far. And somehow you managed to get a PhD in amongst setting all this up as well. I mean, that's just incredible. That must have been an achievement as well. Yeah, now the, P- the PhD, I loved doing it. My supervisor was with me for a year and then she, she promptly disappeared. This was in Glasgow and my supervisor, after about a year, she got a new job in Dublin. So I spent the next two years of my PhD with my supervisor at a distance and it was frankly magnificent. <laughs> I, uh, I had total freedom to work kind of you know, when I wanted and that freedom clearly suited me personally. Um, I liked that approach and many of the skills, you know, whilst whilst the the study of the thyroid of a dog is probably not hugely relevant in many businesses, (laughs) many of the skills were actually incredibly transferable, whether that was about presentation skills or whether it was about analysing data, getting your data sorted correctly the first time, you know, just do things properly, you know, the first time. Many of the skills have actually proven to be surprisingly useful. So I don't think the, the particular topic in my PhD will be of huge value to me in the future, but as an education, it was fantastic. And you feel quite strongly about education, don't you? Absolutely. Everyone's different. But my personal experience has been the big reward for me of doing what I've been able to do over the last 15 years has been that professional stretch. And I get to work with people who are you know, incredibly talented. And I think I've got the best job in the world. It's just amazing. And I wouldn't have been able to take that opportunity if it hadn't been for the education um, that I've been able to benefit from. 
And I look around the company and of our core values, one of them is releasing potential. And that is about trying to allow everybody to, to grow and to flourish and, and to be what perhaps they never thought they could be. I never thought I was going to run a business. You know, when I was young, I just wanted to be a vet and, and that was all I had any notion of doing. But through, uh, through the experience of, of being involved in vets now, I've just been exposed to all different people from all different sectors and you know there's a, an enormous amount of talent out there from whom you can learn and unashamedly copy and try and soak information from like a sponge and that's been really rewarding. It's one of the things that kind of keeps me going is feeling that what I'm able to do now is different to what it was a year ago and I hope that in a year's time I'll have been able to you know, move on a little bit again. Um, I think that's, for many people, that's a, that's a real motivator. So we put education and development and training of our own staff very much at the heart of the organisation. And I think that helps keep people here and keeps them aspiring to, to grow and develop. So the balance of being an entrepreneur and a vet clearly suits you then? That's brilliant. Who <laughs> wouldn't want to? No, it's, uh, I, I've absolutely loved it. It took me a while to be comfortable even with the term entrepreneur because I, I never really saw myself in that light. And in some respects, I think entrepreneur as a, as a term, it's too synonymous with business. And, and actually, I'm more interested in entrepreneurial behavior. And that might be within business, of course, but it can be anywhere. It might be you know, in a school. It might be somebody running a health service. I think the entrepreneurial approach is about trying to look at maybe historic problems in a new light, trying to find new ways to, to deal with issues and uh, be willing to take an element of risk in that process, but also have the tenacity and the resilience to push through to the end to try and actually you know, solve the issue. And that's not a challenge that is exclusive to business in any way. Entrepreneurship for me is much broader. You know, it's about maybe about the family, it might be running a nursery, might be about you know, running a school or, or it might be within business. There's many areas where entrepreneurship can be of huge value. And do you get involved with sort of discussing it with young people or maybe mentoring people? Yeah, um, I'm you know, lucky enough to be able to, I'm asked to, to give the old talk here and there. And if I look at, say, the, the students in vet schools, if I go back and talk to them about some of the experience we've had in growing and developing vets now, you can see that it just starts to open a few of their eyes to the possibilities that are out there. In the case of veterinary students, you know, they've always assumed that they're going to go through five years of vet school and qualify, get their veterinary degree and become a vet. And actually, whilst many do and most do, there are other opportunities out there. So just trying to open the eyes of youngsters to the possibilities that exist, for me, it's, it's really rewarding. And you know, for me personally, finding myself doing a job that I never expected myself to be doing, but with some incredible people, it's been a real pleasure. And you're a dad of three, and you also have three pets and a wife who's a vet. So it does sound a little bit like a family business. Are they quite involved and, and sort of buy into what you're doing? Well, the kids are, uh, they're young and obviously they don't give a monkeys, do they? <laughs> they just think dad goes to too many meetings. And they might be right. Now, the kids know that we're vets and we've got animals all around the house. It's uh, starting to resemble a zoo, unfortunately. <laughs> and I think it, you know, it's great for them to have animals uh, in their lives. Um, for children, it's uh, a great way of learning. And uh, my wife's also a vet, so she understands the impact that we're having on the profession. And she's been fantastic. Um, in the early days in particular, you know, she was a real rock to, to try and support the business and, and help deal with many of the challenges that we had. So uh, she's been a superstar. 
Do you think, because often entrepreneurs do face the challenge of business being all-consuming and other people trying to sort of find their way in that, do you think the fact that she's also in your profession has made that difference? Yeah, I, th I think that has helped. Um, somebody that understands the challenges definitely helps. And also, I've been very lucky to be surrounded by a large number of people over the last 15 years who have been enormously committed to trying to really make a difference. People that care about what we're trying to achieve here, people that can see the impact that it has on quality of care for pets, the impact that it has on the quality of lives of the veterinary profession and the benefits that it brings to pet owners. So we've had many people that have understood those things and have, have given a huge amount of their time and energy and commitment to try and achieve that. And that's really helped me. Having that support network around has been invaluable. And whilst I, I guess I've, I figurehead the business in many ways, of course, anybody that has run a business will understand and, and will know that you know, behind the front person, there is a raft of people who are probably actually the ones doing the hard work. <laughs> and I've, uh, I've been very fortunate to have some uh, and continue to have some really talented people in the organisation who just go the extra mile day after day, week after week, all around the country at three in the morning, dealing with, you know, very difficult cases and stressful situations, upset owners. It's not an easy job, but they work really hard at it because they understand it's important. So that then makes it a lot more rewarding for me, I guess, to, to see that, to see the impact everyone's having. Mm. It sounds like people are really at the heart of your business. And I was interested to see that your joint MD was previously your human resources director. So that kind of proves that, that people have always been a, the main part of your business. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is absolutely no question that the single biggest factor in the success that we've had has been the passion and the commitment of the people across Vets now. We've put the culture of the business very much at the heart. And you know, whilst I think many businesses talk about culture or talk about values, when push really comes to shove, the other things start to get in the way of those things. And we have tried with all good intent and all we have to try and ensure that the people and the culture of the business is protected at all costs. Because I think if you lose that, then it's just bad for business apart from anything else. So not least do we want this to be the kind of organisation that you know we can be proud of and that our families can be proud of. We also want it to be clearly commercially successful, um, to be very sustainable and to be able to keep growing in the way that it has done over the last decade. And we are are of a view that getting the culture right is the first step in achieving that. So we spend a lot of time on people issues. As you say, Fiona is one of our uh, joint managing directors and one of the two joint MDs. And she has been in the business for about 10 years now, understands it intimately and has understood the importance of getting those values implemented throughout the organisation. She's been a huge asset in the business and continues to, um, to put people first and foremost. And what about you? Do you still get to do as much surgery or, or vet practice as you would like? No, I'm kept very well away from the animals these days. And probably probably a good thing for all concerned, I suspect. <laughs> so I'm not clinically involved in the business at all now. Uh, I have, I think, I've become a glorified receptionist. <laughs> <laughs> and does that suit you? It does. I love it. It's the feeling that I'm constantly being challenged and stretched and taken into areas that are slightly uncomfortable for me. They are, uh, or that, that's been really enjoyable. 
I've enjoyed the feeling of having to learn, having to keep learning, having to try and find people that know more than I do about a topic to either get them to get involved in the business or to help me, you know, do something better. Um, so whilst I'm not doing what I had envisaged myself doing as a child, I can't actually imagine doing anything else apart from perhaps being an astronaut, which is my secret desire. Don't tell anybody, okay? You it's want to be between... an astronaut, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's just between you and him. Well, it doesn't sound like there's any barrier to that. Why not? <laughs> well, well, yeah, that's, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> my application to the European Space Agency didn't go as I had hoped, but nonetheless, <laughs> <laughs> we'll hold on to that dream. <laughs> And also, you seem like a very passionate Scot. What kind of role do you think Scotland's played in your entrepreneurial journey? Well, huge. I've uh, spent most of my life in Scotland, um, other than uh, five years living down in Devon, which I have to say I absolutely loved, actually really, really enjoyed it down there. Incredible people. Other than that period, I've, uh, I've lived up here and the kids have been brought up in Scotland and the business was established in Scotland. Our first clinic opened in Glasgow back in 2001. And most of the business actually operates across England. The headquarters are here and we still retain a Scottish feel, but that, you know, a balanced Scottish feel. I think there's something about the attitude that exists within Scotland of, do you know what, actually we can do this. And without anybody in the organisation being arrogant, we hope that, you know, when we know that it can be done, we'll just crack on and we'll find a way to do it we'll deal with the challenges and, and there's something about Scotland which says you know it might look impossible but actually we can address this and we can find a way through it and we're pretty tenacious as a nation and we can be quite resilient as a nation and I think that they are attributes that serve anybody uh, working in a fast-growing business very well. And also the, the entrepreneurial community in Scotland seems to be fairly unique. Yeah, you know, if we look at organisations like Entrepreneurial Scotland and the impact that it is having across the country, it is absolutely phenomenal. When Entrepreneurial Scotland was, was formed by bringing the Saltire Foundation and the Entrepreneurial Exchange together, and I'd been a member of the exchange for a number of years, and the benefits that come through that peer-to-peer -peer learning of other leaders in Scottish businesses getting together discussing the challenges that they have, the fears that they have, the problems, and sharing what's gone well and what's gone badly, I found it was incredibly valuable. Um, the The journey of, of an entrepreneurial leader is, is definitely, you know, it can be a pretty tough one. Everyone that's been out there and has done it understands that it can be very lonely and sometimes, you know, breaking down in the middle of the office and having a good cry is just not appropriate. <laughs> You need, to, you need to have somewhere to go. And the, the events that are held um, within Entrepreneurial Scotland, the focus dinners, for example, where you can learn from, you know, real superstars in the business world, where you can hear that actually life hasn't been plain sailing for them, that they've had many issues to deal with, but through tenacity and resilience and, you know, listening and learning and getting the right people around them, there usually are ways through these problems. When you hear that from the best of the best, it is inspiring and it makes you realise that this can be done and problems that might look insurmountable, usually there's a way around them. And I have found that my time with Entrepreneurial Scotland has, has really helped, both in terms of just straightforward advice and thoughts from, from other people, but also more the emotional support that comes from sometimes just unburdening and sometimes just talking about 
um, those fears and those worries, realizing that you're not the only one that has them, that there are hundreds and thousands of others across Scotland with very similar issues, maybe working in entirely different sectors, but with very similar themes uh, to deal with. That in itself, I think, can help take a weight off the entrepreneurial community. And it certainly has taken a weight off my shoulders many times, reinvigorated me, and I've left you know, those events and evenings just saying, yes, I can do this again, let's go. And, uh, and that, uh, that's definitely had a big impact on me and therefore on the business. Excellent. So going forward, is there anything you still want to do apart from maybe flying in outer space? Is there any other challenges you feel that you, you still need to get over? If we could deal with Scottish football performance, that would be that would be um, a great achievement. I haven't really worked out my strategy for that one yet. <laughs> I mean, within the business, we've got many things that we still want to do. We want to continue growing and uh, we're on that journey. Um, we restructured the organisation within the last year or so and appointed joint managing directors, one of whom, Mark, has got a primary focus on the kind of growth and development of the kind of commercial side of the business. And we're, re- we're really looking to see that continue growing. Continuing to kind of keep the people at the heart of the organisation and to build on the, the core values that we have and to build from those values is the approach that we want to take. What the opportunities will be, truth is, we don't know what they will be. And I think being comfortable with that level of uncertainty is something that we've learned to do. We, you know, we've got a clear plan as to how we're going to grow for the next two, three years. But when you start getting into five-year plans and ten-year plans, then I think you frankly start making stuff up towards the end of that. Um, so our approach is to remain ambitious and have kind of clarity over the next couple of years of growth, but also um, keep our feet on the ground whilst we achieve that so that we've got a good solid platform from which to grow. The business is in stronger shape than it's ever been. Um, economically, we're in good shape, but most importantly, culturally, we are in really good shape. And that gives me a lot of confidence for the future. Do you ever look back and think, wow, I'm actually quite proud of what I've achieved? I often look back and think, wow, flipping heck, how did that happen? <laughs> and uh, you know, we, we run a, a congress once a year and uh, for all our staff to attend and many others from the profession come along. And I'll sometimes take a wee quiet moment to myself and just look at the assembled throng of vets, nurses, support staff. And you realize we've got an amazing bunch of people who are really dedicated who you could you know, pick so many of them and identify very special stuff that they've done to try and make this business work. And that, that's quite a special feeling. The success that we've had though has definitely come from those people saying, I choose to go the extra mile. And they don't choose to go the extra mile for the money. They don't choose to go the extra mile for those wages. They choose to go the extra mile because they believe in what we're here to do and they believe that it's an organisation that allows them to make a difference and gives them the freedom to make a difference. And that is an amazing feeling. Motivated staff is surely a key measure of success for any entrepreneur. To read our features or listen to more podcasts about Scottish entrepreneurs, go to scottishentrepreneur.com.